0: Hello filmy people, we are back and what we're going to be doing this week is that I'm going to be reviewing Men in Black International. It has been 20 years since the first film, who would have thought? Uh, we're also going to talk about Quentin Tarantino, like our favourite films that he's ever made. We're going to be talking about our favourite films of the year so far. And finally, me and John decide that playing a video game where you end up having a fight in a VR world where you have sex in the first 10 seconds is not gay, it's just like watching porn in Striking Vipers, the new Black Mirror episode. In a cloud where there are already too many film podcasts, you have to ask yourself, what's the harm in one more? Two ordinary men armed with unqualified opinions. Talk Filmy to Me. Hello friends, welcome to the Talk Filmy to Me podcast, a film podcast about news, entertainment, general pop culture. We are podding at night. Why are we podding at night? Because I got a text while I was in bed and it was, my phone started flashing up and there was a message saying, get online now. I need you. Get online now. And I've replied back just saying, no, I can't. This is wrong. My wife, I, this, is, this is basically an emotional affair virtually. No, it's not. It's just like watching porn. Come online. So here we are. And joining me in the night it is my boy, John Descamento. How you doing, buddy?
1: I am so good. I love the intro, Flinty. That was well thought out. I imagine it's not the last uh, reference we're going to make to um, best friends having a sordid love affair.
0: And who would have known that the sounds of playing video games is very similar to the sounds of fucking... Anyway, what have you been watching? What's What's been on your, your screen this week? Well, Striking Vipers, obviously.
1: I've been watching that. I have been... Uh, what have I been trying to finish Chernobyl? But I can't do it without my wife because I feel bad. You know when you want to finish a show, but you can't... It's almost like cheating. You can't finish it without them. But i've been waiting for like two weeks to finish it damn her and her good jobs <laughs> swanning off around oh, mate i
0: there. i i have so many tv affairs uh like i am <laughs> basically i'm basically a slut when it comes to I, tv I, um i, I bet you're an ahead. utter
1: bastard don't you you just you just watch it without without your missus anytime you want
0: Yep, yep, I sling it wherever I want, mate, and then I come home and I just pretend I ain't watched it. I even sit there and watch it with her. Would you watch it And again? pretend to I'm- be shocked.
1: <laughs> Do you get cocky? You're like, oh, I reckon this is going to happen.
0: Oh, what? That's it to go, I reckon Jon Snow's about the killer. <gasps> How did you see that coming? Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway, uh, before I get into any more trouble, um, I've actually been following a lot of E3 over the last week. It's quite interesting. Obviously, our boy AJ was over there with uh, with Battletoads. Uh, well done, dude. Absolutely cracking stuff. And uh, Yeah, it yeah. looks awesome. I, caught up on, I did catch up on Chernobyl and uh, watched all of it. I've I got to be honest, though, it, it kind of lost me after episode four. It's great, don't get me wrong, it's gripping TV, but like, I'm the sort of person that... I like the journey, not the the fallout, if that makes sense. So, like, the first... not This isn't spoiler territory. The kind of first four episodes is really about the immediate aftermath, right? And then afterwards, it's more about the, the blame game or trying to find out what actually happened. And I kind of get a bit bored at that point. I was like, if that's what actually happened, then why didn't they put that in episode one? Like, why have they dragged this
1: out? Yeah, don't, well, that's not good news for me because I'm on episode five so um thanks for that flinty
0: but maybe it's my attention span it's made my attention span a lot of people said this is the highest rated tv show of all time so so there you go subjectively it is still the greatest tv show to ever happen so anyway before i shatter any more dreams let's crack on with news news. Just to peek behind the curtain to the listeners, usually me and John will have a nice WhatsApp group shared with Jamie and other people that have contributed to talk filming to me and we can all sit there and chew the fat over things that happened in the news and the media. We talk about the right things. We, yes, believe it or not, we try and produce this show. Uh, that has not happened this week, so I'm just going to throw at John a bunch of stuff. I googled from the internet the news hound that I am and just basically trying to gauge his reaction off this. So, let's go that first curveball. Quiet place. Aren't we too. supposed
1: to be getting more professional as uh, as time goes on. Now that we're on episode seventy-four.
0: I, I I'd like to think that we're that drunk mate in the pub that if you give him a few more drinks he <laughs> might say something stupid so you just sort of see how this plays out. So that's why I think our audience is going with this. <laughs> sounds good, sounds good. Right so quiet place. Did you yeah. with your boy Steve Krasansky, do you like mm. it first of all? I n- never
1: watched it. I didn't Th- it's it's still on my watch list mate. It passed me by.
0: Ah, well, when you have a chance, uh, a little bit, but don't worry it's uh, there's time to forgive you can watch it first and foremost but more importantly the sequel is in the works at the moment and more details have come out from this basically Steve Scancy is saying that we're going to learn more about the origins of the aliens don't worry John I won't give any spoilers of the first film in this news update and also we're going to find out what was going on in the bigger world of things now anyone who has seen the film will know that this film very much focuses on one family and one household during the events that happens in the movie so it's an interesting take on this John seriously dude when you have a moment watch this film it is up there for film of the year the year it came out i think last year and uh yeah yeah i'm surprised it's passed you by but i'm so jealous that you get to rediscover this film all right i'm 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 doing it this week but i'll tell you a film that i haven't seen which i think films uh twitter would be spitting out it's it's coffee it's high granulated coffee and it's hipster way <laughs> uh i i'm gonna i'm gonna say ladies and gentlemen my name is Adam Flint. I'm 33 years young, and I have not seen The Shining. Um, <laughs> that being said, oh, I actually dear. have... I know, I know, I know, I know. But I'm going to poke my glasses up my nose again. but I have read the book. Um, there's a sequel <laughs> in the works at the moment, Doctor Sleep. It's being directed by the guy who wrote and directed The Haunting of Hill House, and the first trailer dropped from it uh, yesterday, I do believe. John, have you seen the trailer? And have you seen The Shining?
1: I've seen The Shining uh like like you it was one of them movies i grew up i didn't grow up with but it was like oh it's one of them old movies you have to see it's like a classic so i i watched it and it was great i loved it uh jack nicholson you know that's like a, one of the films that made him right uh so yeah i'm pretty excited about this stephen king wrote this just a few years ago uh so writing a sequel sort of 25 30 years later no more than that sorry 40 40 years later is kind of interesting obviously presents a lot of challenges but um i thought the uh ewan mcgregor looks great in this i think yeah this is gonna i i can see a absolute hit here modern horror masterpiece that's what i'm hoping for
0: yeah and with the the gentleman that done Haunted hill ha- uh, house uh involved in this as well it feels like it is a recipe for the best fucking meal we're ever gonna have and uh i i will watch the shining before i see this but uh, yeah i can't tell you about how much of an impact that has had in on me because i've never seen that film although i know its footprint in pop culture the amount of times we have seen it rift of here's johnny red rum and the the carpet and everything else in between of that I obviously know the hallmark it has had on us as a society. Yeah, Uh, and
1: the trailer makes no uh, apologies. It references the original, you know, so much. Three times, I think, at least with huge references. So it's like playing off it a lot. And there's also this, you know how they do this orchestral cinematic score of a modern song or something? They've done Mm. this kind of horror montage of Dream a Little Dream of Me, which is like a you know a uh, 1930s really? 40s yeah dream a little dream of me
0: which is I a nice did little not easter egg get that
1: no it's not very clear but it was
0: um That's yeah, beautiful. Well, it's it's really great it works really nicely i'm loving this whole thing of like modern horror movies taking a tune and just making the most fucked up version possible. Like what us done with I Got Five on it, and like with this as well. I'm s- what songs would you like to see absolutely twisted in a weird fucked up way in a film? Uh
1: pff, I guess the cartoons, maybe. Uh which <laughs> would be quite a good one. Ooh e ooh ah, ah, ting tang. If someone slowed that right down, made a beautiful walla, walla. haunting <laughs> I mean if you did it to the extent where you could barely notice it but then you found out it was that i mean that'd be quite genius wouldn't it oh shit i've just given away my best ever idea
0: oh. you have john you've peaked too early there pal uh, uh i don't know maybe you know songs which you don't realize sound so fucking seedy and disgusting until like they're out of the 90s and you you, you play <laughs> in modern life. like do yeah. you remember f- you remember five done that song baby when the lights go out oh yeah yeah it's essentially just saying when the lights go go out i'm gonna assault you i can imagine that being <laughs> <laughs> twisted into
1: some weird yeah weird horror or is um, that what's the uh, gonna get freaky with you that uh had that's let me lick you up and down i mean well there sounds we go time consuming and oh my god have
0: you seen a um, bit
1: unhygienic
0: have you seen surviving r kelly
1: I have not but I've seen when he freaked out in that interview. <laughs> oh
0: my god. After, after yeah. it. Uh, I don't want to spoil it for anyone who hasn't seen it, but basically <laughs> he pretty much operated in the light of day. He literally wrote a song called Age Ain't Nothing But a Number and got like a child to sing the song and basically he basically just paraded it in front of us and no one noticed. It's it's absolutely unreal. Anyway, before this becomes a podcast about 90s sex offenders Uh, let's talk about films Uh, Quentin Tarantino we like him Uh, that being said He has got some questionable motives outside of film, potentially. But let's just leave that at that. Quentin Tarantino has been talking about his potential project for a Star Trek movie. Uh, Obviously, he's got Once Upon a Time in Hollywood still uh, in the can at the moment, and that's going to be doing the rounds very soon. Which, by the way, i done a Twitter post actually on our account the other day, John, asking people's top three Tarantino movies. And loads of people responded. So uh, I can't go through all the names because there was a truckload of you. But thank you, everyone, that actually gave an opinion and shouted some stuff this what's your top 3 Tarantino movies i keep hitting you right curveballs though don't
1: i yeah um i'd say reservoir dogs and pulp fiction are definitely in the top 2 although i i can never decide which one's top um and inglorious bastards i think i'd have to put in there too but it's a really tough one because kill bill the first one was kind of like when that first come out it was like nothing else you'd ever seen isn't it yeah so, uh but yeah i'm going with those
0: three nice i went with inglorious bastards pulp fiction and kill bill but the amount of variety that was in the responses and some people given legitimate reasons like why these films were were amazing and it's just like ah oh, you know i'd love to do a feature where we like just basically battle over what our favorite Tarantino movies are, and actually try and do a definitive ranking of it. I don't think it's possible, what, but
1: yeah. What was the uh, most commonly featured film? Uh,
0: Pulp, Fiction Pulp Fiction was probably yeah, yeah. Although yeah. quite surprisingly, Django Unchained did feature in a lot of people's list. And I, I'll be honest, like I struggled to 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 find out a space for it just because the other films just pip it to the post but I think Leonardo DiCaprio in Django Unchained is such a memorable performance but for me in Glorious Bastards with uh, was it Christoph Waltz the, the bad guy in it like there's something so creepy about that man
1: mm, yeah and that opening scene it's just phenomenal isn't it in the
0: cut oh my god with the dialogue back and forth and the tension underneath and when they just switch mm-hmm. from french to speaking english to the and the milk Ah, oh, yeah I, i'm gonna watch i want to watch that film right now <laughs> and anyway before we go down a rabbit hole of that quentin tarantino has been talking about his new star trek project and he has said um it's gonna be r-rated there's gonna be lots of swearing in this and i find that fucking fascinating like the whole ethos of Star Trek is we're a civilization, evolved past the needs of profanities and money and things like that. And how's Tarantino going to warp that into his world? It kind of feels like on paper, this sounds incredible, but how, how the fuck can you really make a Tarantino-esque Star Trek movie? How, how is this possible? How, how
1: are they... Uh, so, sorry, just to backtrack. He's got permission, and this is official kind of Star Trek,
0: so he is talking to paramount right now he there is a script that has been put together although he has not wrote the script he has been brought in as a potential director if not producer uh, to make this star trek movie yeah and and they're they're entertaining it it's clearly come from them they're like okay we need to grit grit this up a little
1: bit let's get someone like Tarantino in
0: I mean, it's it's fascinating, and I can totally see a world where because Tarantino, you know, I'm sorry, i keep banging on about us on this pod. He keeps saying, you know, he's going to be ten films and done, and he has kind of touched upon each genre that's been very impactful to his life. I think he thinks about black he thinks about Hong Kong sort of movies, uh, those karate sort of films. He does the, you know, he does westerns. He's touched upon that, and he's kind of blurred the genres and tried to mix them as much as possible. Now, all you got to do is just look at the guy and know that he must be a sci-fi nerd, even though. He's never mentioned it but you just know he's a sci-fi nerd so it was only inevitable i thought at some point he was going to tap you know tap into this uh, so i'm fascinated just absolutely fascinated to see this project i'm fascinated to see where they go because basically star trek i think we reported on it about six months ago at uh, the fourth star trek movie in the new uh, Abraham's verse uh, was completely shelved because they could not find common ground with Chris Hemsworth and Chris Pine who are going to be the leads in that movie because they're both massive stars and have gone on to massive things and they just couldn't find the common ground to bring them in that's my understanding anyway and considering how the third movie Star Trek Beyond which is a shame because that was produced by Simon Pegg and I generally hold dear in anything that man does um, that did not do what they wanted to do in terms of box office so they are definitely in that sort of holding pen at the moment with Star Trek, in terms of the cinematic films, obviously TV, they've got Discovery and everything else of that, of what they're doing with this, and I just think it's fascinating that their their next movie is you know fuck it, Tarantino, come in, sir. You know what? Let's let's hear what you got to say. So I'm I'm intrigued. I don't know how it is going to work, but I'm, I'm fascinated by this project. Hmm. Yeah, bring it on. Uh, so to be honest, that's it's been kind of a slow news week because the work stuff is going on, but. Uh, John what I wanted to talk to you about is we're at that point again through the year where we're nearly at the end of the the summer blockbusters and this might tie into my review of Men in Black International later on of it feels like we've been promised a lot of really good films but not many have delivered and um, I just kind of wanted to chew the fat with you John over what have been your films of the year so far Uh, there's been I think there has been some really good films but obviously some letdowns in between of that and I just wanted to Basically, give give our rundown of what we think the top films have been thus far. Do you want me to to go first? Uh yeah, you go. I've got
1: actually got one more piece of news that I think I oh, just oh. wanted to tickle you with. Is that okay, Tony Tick-
0: Yeah, yeah, you can tickle the ivories on this. Go for it.
1: <laughs> so you may, you know, uh, Gaten Matarazzo from Stranger Things. Yes, he's got he's got a new Netflix show, but it's getting slammed. Uh, just today, and.
0: Is this that prank
1: show? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so each episode of this terrifying and hilarious prank show takes two complete strangers who think they're starting their first day at a new job. Uh, so people are obviously finding this a bit. It's like in this day where someone's just got a new job and then you're like, ah, it's a prank. And by the way, can you sign this so we can we, everyone can laugh at you on Netflix? Uh, And by the way, you're going to have more time to watch Netflix because this isn't a real job. So uh, (laughs) it's kind of, uh, yeah, kind of puts a bad negative light because who doesn't like the guy with the boy with the teeth in Stranger Things? He's charming as as fuck, but. uh, <laughs>
0: it's not a good. What, PR who commissioned boy. this show? Like, is it some nineties PR dude who was just like, you know what? I used to fucking <laughs> love that show of Aston Kutcher in. We used to go down to Punk People. Let's go get that kid off of Stranger Things. That'd be hilarious. Saying that, it makes me laugh. How as a, we are so fickle as a society about what TV shows we will hold dear, and other TV shows we will gladly say that is morally. That is morally bankrupt. We'll turn around and say it is so good that Jeremy Kyle has been cancelled because of the filth that he puts on TV. It's taking the most vulnerable people and exposing them in a way which holds them up to scrutiny from people they've never met before, and this online cyberbullying is absolutely beyond the joke. But saying that Love Island's on next, so let's all fucking slate the people on that. Just, it makes me <laughs> laugh the, the 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 sort of controversy and the moral compass pivot all of a sudden from this. So it's kind of funny that the internet is outraged about this but i kind of get where they're coming from it would fucking suck if my first day at work was going really badly and to make it even worse the the guy from stranger things is behind a glass door laughing at me and it turns out (laughs) i didn't get a job
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah bring it on though maybe you know there's a there's a softer side to it who knows but they'll probably change it frantically change it now like all right Get find everyone we pranked and give them like fifty grand.
0: <laughs> yeah, or just give them a job at Netflix. Just go there, you go. You can say you worked at Netflix for a year. Put it on your CV. Just, 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 We'll, we'll, we'll find a way to make you happy as much as us. Yeah. Boom. Maybe. Right, sorry.
1: Back to the uh, best films of the year. So, Flinty, uh, is this in order, or are you just gonna rattle
0: them off in no particular order? Uh, see everyone knows I'm clearly going to say Endgame as my film of the year and you're right so I don't want to Endgame is the film of the year so let's just leave it at that now let's talk about the rest Um, for me like my non MCU movie that has made me weep that has made me cry that has made me laugh that has made me that's stuck with me the longest and I can't wait for this to be available to buy because I'm gonna buy it, and I am totally cosplaying as this in October in Halloween. us I fucking love that film so much, and it gets better and better with each viewing. How good is us? yeah, that's
1: uh straight on the list, I'd say maybe more so than any of the others us yeah, absolutely brilliant, definitely stuck with me. I've only watched it once, I'm desperate to watch it again, but It's weird. You know a good movie when you remember so much about it even after just watching it once. Mm. Um, So... Yeah, I totally agree with you there.
0: What else have you got so, for, for me, Flinty? All right, for, right, for me, uh, I'm a, you know, me and Lucy joked about this when she was on the pod, and this is what I love about films, right? You've got some people that will see a film, and like me, they'll come out of the cinema and go, I love that film, that was so good. I just love the way it was put together. I love the narrative points behind it. I love the performances. I love everything about this. Yes! And you'll speak to someone else who has got perfectly valid points and a perfectly great way of structuring their their interpretation of it and it is the polar fucking opposite and i'll say that for vice i loved vice i really really enjoyed it it was what i i wasn't expecting much from it in all honesty i didn't know much about the subject matter at all so i was quite educated on it and some people might go well if, if you think that's truth then you're a fucking moron yes i may be yeah. but look yeah you know, I, I i as i always say my name's adam flint and i like this film and i'm gonna stand by that with vice i really enjoyed it
1: Flinty, you are singing to the beat of my drum because I've got us and Vice on my list. Vice was phenomenal. I'd say maybe my favourite of the year. Um, It's weird that it got slammed by some people. I I just can't see why. I think it's absolutely brilliant. It's taken a, a grotesquely kind of boring average man with a really consequential life, obviously, Dick Cheney, and just made the most phenomenally interesting uh and funny movie about him um and i mean uh what's his name adam adam mckay uh, adam mckay has such a talent for this and i i am a fanboy adam mckay fanboy i apart from forgetting his second name just then i will <laughs> follow this dude's career until he dies or i die whoever goes first but uh, I can't wait to see what he does next. To be honest, have Brilliant. you seen Have you seen The Big Short yet? Yeah. I love The Big Short. Uh, that's a film that's stuck with me so much. And you know me I'm I'm an anti capitalist, bloody liberal. Uh, so I absolutely love that movie. It's a fascinating insight into the banking crash. Uh, like I said, with Vice, I mean, he's taking like really boring on the face really boring but very important things and making it ridiculously entertaining i mean imagine what he could do with something legitimately already fascinating um yeah. what a talented filmmaker
0: Now, completely concur now although i think we're we're very much converging on lists at the moment and of same opinion and same ilk even though we've got different filmy flavors on stuff i think This film on my list is probably not on your ones, John. And I've got got John Wick, Chapter 3, Parabellum. Oh, my God. Now, if you are a John Wick fan, then this is your fucking Super Bowl. This is your endgame. This is the combination of everything awesome, and this has i mean keanu reeves what a fucking year this dude's having already right he, he was at e3 and he fucking smashed it by the way fucking hilarious but also uh, just yet yeah, john wick chapter three he is amazing like this is probably some of the best action pieces i have ever seen in a film and yes i hold dear films like the raid and everything in between of that as well parabellum oh just give me more of it put it in my veins i need to, i need to i could watch it all day i went down a john wick bender after watching Parabellum again and I've watched chapter one and two about four times since then. I'm even listening to the soundtrack. I'm in the gym just listening to John Wick music, constantly feeling like I'm kicking ass. I love that film so You're much. That guy. It is there. I am that guy.
1: <laughs> uh yeah, I can't say I've watched it. I'm afraid I am not a John Wick fanboy, but I so I can't possibly share an opinion on that. But I will concur that kiano's everywhere this year and I am not sick of him one bit. He can stay. I love him.
0: There's a really funny tweet that Scott Dickinson, the guy who directed um, Doctor Strange, uh, as well as a couple of other things, um, said, I made a movie with Keanu Reeves a few years ago. And uh, he shows this clip of Keanu Reeves doing an interview, uh, recently, actually. And he's basically so... he, He just goes up to the microphone and he just says, I love movies. I love watching movies. I love being in movies. And he is literally, the look on his face is like a child at Christmas. And uh, Scott Dickinson, when I worked with him on a film called Keanu a few years back... And the first day I was driving up to the set and Keanu Reeves was sitting next to me, bouncing up and down, just going, movies, 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 making movies, and then just jumped out of the car. Like, he literally is a ball of perpetual happiness and energy. And we need him. We need him now more than ever.
1: (laughs) I know the clip you were talking of. I mean, it's so refreshing to see someone just blatantly loving what they do. And Bill and Ted, we got that to look forward to this year as well, right?
0: yes i uh, i don't know if it's coming out this year but they're filming it right now like as the as right now the wild stallions are currently saving humanity so i'm i'm so down for this he's also in toy story 4 as well he's doing the voice of duke kaboom the uh the the guy on the motorcycle they even showed clips of keanu reeves doing his voiceover work for it and yes it is as good as it sounds yes phenomenal
1: what else you got have you got is that five flinty
0: uh, I've I put Endgame on a shelf I've kind of said Endgame isn't allowed to be in my top listing because otherwise it's always going to be no, you're the MCU girl. Um <laughs> I also as a surprise package for me a genuine surprise package fighting with my family like i i really did enjoy that film it was literally like i just i went i didn't want to see it if i'm being honest like sometimes we get in, we get invited to stuff now as john mentioned we are doing this gig for for a minute or two and we're starting to get invited to stuff which we are absolutely chuffed the bits over we know our place in the world and we're happy that we're starting to to get on to invite the stuff so that's amazing So that means we have gone to a bunch of stuff that we absolutely fucking love and we come out of our fists pumped and like we're driving and headbanging of how awesome it is. And there are times where we'll see an invite come in and we go, do I really? But we know that A, people really want to fucking be invited to these things and we should be grateful we are. And B, you've got to go to the bad ones so the good ones feel really good. And I generally thought that when I got invited to a screening of Fighting With My Family that I was going to be like a... I can't be asked, but I was pleasant. I was not just pleasantly. I was overwhelmingly surprised with how good this film actually is. Uh, Steve Merchant, great storyteller, great subject matter, great acting, everything in between that. Fantastic. In a time where comedies are hard to come by, I generally loved it. It is comedy of the year in my opinion, and I and I include Booksmart in that conversation. I loved fighting with my family.
1: Yeah, that's definitely made my list. I was pumped for this film before I went in because I love Stephen Merchant. Anything he's involved in, I am ha- I am happy to go along for the ride, but this surpassed my expectations. I thought, like you said, in a in a world where comedies are hard, good comedies are hard to come by, I thought Fighting Mom with My Family was an absolute diamond in the rough this year. Absolutely brilliant. Um, yeah, maybe The Rock should not have got to be on the poster but that's that's okay. He should be on any poster actually, shouldn't he? What am I saying? <laughs> so is that that's your five then is it?
0: Yeah, and yeah, in? that's mine. What's what's not on my list that's on yours? Well I advise fighting
1: with my family and us. Uh I also have Book Smart. I gave it a five out of five in our you review. Did. Uh genuinely uh you know, I'm slamming comedies this year, but smart is another really great comedy with a lot more depth than just being a uh, funny teen comedy. Um uh, Booksmart absolutely deserves to be in the top 5 films of the year. And lastly, I thought I'd throw in one which might have been forgotten about now, but everyone was raving about it for a short while and it's a documentary, but it was hilarious and so entertaining, so I think it deserves to be in there. It's Fire. The Fire Festival Festival. Oh my god, yes.
0: Yeah, because, that was
1: so enjoyable. I mean, you know it's it's a sort of disposable documentary right it's not like it's not the biggest thing in the world but it really had a cultural moment where everyone watching went what
0: the f uh and it was absolutely hey, it's-
1: captivating
0: it taught us a bunch of new stuff, John. It taught us about really what would happen to a bunch of privileged kids if they were stuck on an island. It taught us about the real definition of a shit cheese sandwich and what someone was really willing to do for a bunch of water. So, yeah, for that alone, that's put it, that should put it in the list. That's definitely, and I know a lot of people would say, Roma's probably the best Netflix original produced thing uh, of this year, but fire's got to be in that conversation for the entertainment value, right? Oh,
1: absolutely, definitely uh so yeah they're my five roma's last year though right otherwise roma would be in there
0: was it last year it must oh, have it's been because it was in the Oscar. it was in the conversation for oscars this year that's why i'm getting a bit bit confuzzled on that but anyway more importantly what what were your films of the year so far get in contact with us on twitter at talk to me but anyway john jesus christ we're in should we go for a review yeah, I think it shows cool. how good the year's been so far, though, right? Oh, my God, yes. yeah. It, I mean, yeah, we, there are some disappointments and there are some, some lows, but there have been some chuffing great highs. But the fact we're having these sort of conversations pretty much every week where we're either talking about a film which has absolutely transcended us and blew our minds, or we had so much high hopes for, but it completely done the opposite, that still so- shows the depth and variety and everything everything's subjective so as far as i'm concerned the more conversations we're having the more diverse the, the choices are then all of a sudden it's a great year for film so yeah long may it continue and i generally cannot wait for our end of year pod where we'll basically be chewing the fat and pulling it apart over what our favorites are and um, but if you had to bat for one film though and say right now 2019 film of the year minus mcu what is the one that you'd go back for right now oh yeah it's really tough
1: because they're all of those were good but i might have to say i might have to say vice you know i thought vice was phenomenal uh so well written such a good christian bell performance it's vice or us that's all i can say i can't make a decision
0: all right I'm going to go back for John Wick 3. I've got to go back for my boy. Keanu, you've made, yes, the film's incredible, but you've kind of transcended it by just being you and being incredible as well. So yeah, I'm batting for John Wick chapter 3, Parabellum right now, motherfuckers. Um, so anyway let's go into a review men in black international uh, this came out last week in the uk and it is a a return to a universe that we once discovered 20 years ago and we've set a a hot young reviewing type person with a a voice like honey a young boy called adam flint so let's hear his review now it took me 20 years to find you how many people can say that You are the best-kept secret in the universe. And I found you, which makes me perfect for this job. You really think a black suit
1: is going to solve all your problems? Mm,
0: No, but looks damn good on you men in black international follows this same trope of hey do you remember a film from about 20 years ago that we all really liked well here is a spiritual reboot slash sequel in that universe this is men in black international uh, this is set in the men in black canon of the franchise but let's be honest with each other let's just put it out on the table now men in black one brilliant It is for a certain generation of kids who grew up on Ren and Stimpy, Rocco's Modern Life and Rugrats having a massive zany comedy that kind of felt somewhere between Tim Burton and Star Trek and everything in between of that. With Will Smith as the lead and Tommy Lee Jones, you couldn't ask for a better combination of such a brilliant sci-fi offbeat comedy. The second film is fucking terrible. And the third film is a pale imitation of what has come before, still not kind of filling the gaps. Anyway, let's fast forward a little while. It's been seven years since the last movie. And this is, as mentioned, set in the same canon of that universe. Men in Black International follows two new leads, two new agents in this. We've got Agent H, played by Chris Hemsworth, an Agent M, or I should say the newly recruited Agent M, played by Tessa Thompson. Essentially, Tessa Thompson is the main character in this film. Uh, you see her growing up. Basically, her family was involved in an event where the Men in Black turned up and basically wiped everyone's memories. But somehow, little Tessa Thompson managed to escape the, the gaze of the memory wiping thing. So she's known all about the Men in Black all her life. She's been obsessed about them. And she eventually infiltrates a men in black lair and poses for a job and they give it to her so before I go down the narrative point what this film is trying to do is it's trying to pull on the nostalgia of the first film uh, basically kind of play off the same beats and hopefully draws you in and puts your arms around you and be like ah do you remember Will Smith where he chased that guy on the bus and when Tommy Lee Jones was really really bland but offbeat at the same time and that tentacle baby this is kind of trying to do a paint-by-numbers off that. How if you think about how Jurassic World follows very similar story tropes from Jurassic Park, but it's been such a period of time since then where you can kind of forgive that, it doesn't feel like it's earned that period of time between that. So essentially, Tessa Thompson gets recruited by MIB. Uh, you don't really see her going through the training montage or experiences that you saw with Will Smith. You Think of in that first Men in Black film, Will Smith was the audience. He was brought into this world. You were kind of seeing through the keyhole of this universe of there's aliens and I don't really get it and as Will Smith's character went through the film so did you and you learnt more about this they decided to forego that and basically go from her being recruited to bang, she's an agent and she's been set on set on a succumbent over in London in MIB headquarters over there where basically Chris Hemsworth is a already a rock star agent that's up to the same level as, as previous big names in the franchise and the boss is Liam Neeson who's called Agent High T because apparently English funny puns and everything else in between of that. Essentially, a mission goes wrong. Uh, they're fugitives on the law, or should I say trying to prevent a big outcome happening towards Earth as a result of this uh, thing that went wrong, and they're trying to put it right. It follows very similar beats to previous Men in Black movies. Uh, the bad guys in this, they're they're basically just clouds. It's the only way to describe them. They've they're kind of got like an inherent problem of... Every time they get attacked, they basically can turn into a cloud. So it means even though there's loads of tension in these scenes, and one of the cool thing about MIB movies is the gadgets, right? It's the big guns and all that sort of stuff. It means it doesn't matter how big your gun is, doesn't matter how big your spaceship is, whatever you're attacking, you're basically fighting against water vapor. So it's 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 just there's no tension, there's no build-up. Um, That being said, there are some nice comedy chops in there. I personally think the chemistry between Chris and Tessa is still there from 4 Ragnarok. It is still quite funny. It's still quite punchy. That being said, the actual dialogue in this film is quite poor. It shines when you can see the actors riffing off each other. Emma Thompson is in this for a little bit. She's quite cool. Liam Neeson is being a very Liam Neeson kind of guy in this film. I have a feeling, though, that they're trying to keep him off the reservation after things he says in press conferences. Um, but also we've got uh, we've got Camille Nagiri in this who's doing a voice of a little alien the only thing that I miss in this film though really is that there's no animatronics it's all CGI I mean I love the guys in the suit do you remember that scene in the first film with the little alien inside the head in the animatronic stuff? we don't get any of that unfortunately it's basically just polished cgi almost to perfection and it just looks a little bit jarring the scripts oh the script the script's bad right if people keep saying there's no chemistry between the leads in this i don't think it's because of the leads i think it it is because of that script it is not funny um in most places anyway like I say it shines when they ad-lib and and improv off each other it's been directed by F. Grey Grey Uh, writers include Matt Halloway and Art McCunn in this and uh, yeah some bits are, are quite good in this some bits are just why bother a lot of people have been wanting to kick this film from the moment the first trailer dropped and I'll be honest if you put Fergie London and play that repeatedly in a trailer that's going to knock a star off before I'm even getting my butt into the cinema that being said I did try and keep an open mind this I hold the first film in very very high regard the second and third film not so much but um, I was hoping this would be a return to form and maybe a birth of a new franchise uh, sadly it is really missing the point in terms of what made Men in Black so unique in the first place and does not capture that spirit um, it doesn't capture the comedy essence we got from 4 Ragnarok it doesn't make you wanting to see more of this universe again this universe that opened up a world of wonders of when Tommy Lee Jones looks up to the stars and realise as we're not alone We you don't get that in this film at all yes there are some homages to the other films and yes there are some it follows very similar beats actually new agent gets trained along uh, you discover about the power of guns regardless of the size of them uh, there's the pug he's back again uh, there's even a scene with a red button in the car and they riff off that but the best line in the film ultimately actually is just a riff off Chris Hemsworth and it's just it, there's nothing that sits enough for me to tell you this is the film you should go see But that being said, there are some elements where you might enjoy some of this. So I'm going to go with, I'm going to go three out of five, which means basically if you're an unlimited customer at like a cinema thing and there's nothing else on, go see it. If you see it on Sky, give it a go. Uh, Maybe even rent it, but keep your expectations tempered. Uh, This is not the return to form you want it to be. But You know, it is definitely the second best Men in Black film. (laughs) So there you have it, three out of five Men in Black International. We are the Men in Black. Looks like the tables have turned.
1: That
0: was an incredible catch. We have a streaming gem feature for this week and for the next two weeks. Uh, Black Mirror has returned to our screens. It is a cultural TV streaming event. Mr. Brooker has been taking us to very weird and exotic places, has taken us to the depths of humanity and the pit holes of despair, whilst at the same time showing us a bleak but too familiar future. So we're going to go into spoilerific details over the first episode of Season 5, Striking Vipers. So if you have not seen this TV show then go binge the whole fucking lot. If you've not seen this episode, then pause right now, go away, watch it, sleep on it, because you you should sleep, really. Need, let it digest. Like just, just let the bleakness wash over you, and then come back and listen, because we're going to go into spoilerific details. John, is there any more housekeeping I need to, to go through before we, we go into our first part of this feature?
1: Uh, I don't think so, but I spoke to a very good friend earlier, and he said, can you recommend something? I said, Chernobyl. He's like, great. I love that. Well, great recommendation. Give me another one. I said, what about the latest black mirror? He was like, what's black mirror. And I couldn't believe it. I thought black mirror is just like everyone knows about it and seen a few episodes, but he didn't even know what it was. So I am jealous. Cause he's, I literally sent him back to the pig fucking and, you know, start <laughs> from the first one and meet us in a few, few weeks, uh, up to the present one. But, um, No, that's all good housekeeping for me. I just wanted to share with you. In our little bubble, Flinty, there are still people that have no idea what Black Mirror even is. Wow.
0: Saying that, I only discovered, well, when I say discovered, I knew of it, but I only actually watched it myself uh, a couple of years ago. And I picked the worst time to get into Black Mirror. I I was uh, I contracted Australian flu. Do you remember there was, a, there was a flu season and there was that fucking flu that basically was killing people and putting people in hospitals. I contracted. I was in a and E. I I was very badly dehydrated. They gave me all they could and sent me home and I was in severe pain. And for that pain, they gave me codeine. And that meant I was in a haze. The good stuff. In and out all the time, the good stuff. And I was only allowed to be on it for three days because after three days, like you get addicted to it, so they have to take you off it. And um, during those three days, because I was locked in a room because obviously I had a, a very young child in the house and my wife as well did not want them to get sick, so I was pretty much in, in quarantine. And I was like, all right, I'll give this Black Mirror show a go. And I binged a whole lot. And when you are off your face on Codeine, Black Mirror is probably not the right show to you to watch. But uh, that being said, I did watch it after the the Codeine binge as well. So I am up to up the speed of it all. So anyway, let's go right into this. Uh, before we give our scorings and stuff like that, John, shall we have a scale of bleakness? Because I think saying enjoyment is kind of a weird way of describing Black Mirror. Just a scale of one to five. One being... Uh St. Junipero of Oh that's not so bad. I could live with that future. I feel quite happy about this. To five, the Prime Minister fucks a pig and John Hamm has stolen your consciousness. Is is that a fair enough scale? Yeah, that seems seems about right. Cool. So, first episode, here we are. Um also really weird, in some countries, the yeah, I thought this is kind of cool. This is Netflix and Charlie Brooker basically using technology. In some countries, this is not the first episode. In some countries, season five is in a random order. Right. Why have they done I, that I, then? I, don't, I have no idea why they have done this. I don't know if they're just playing about with tech or seeing if episode ordering like, helps the, the narrative togetherness, even though they're not linked. I don't know. But um, So when we say the first episode, we are talking about the episode titled Striking Vipers, just to, to clear the slate and make sure we're all... We're all aware of that. So, John, I'm going to throw some facts at you off the bat about this episode. Do you know what the this this episode originally started as? Um,
1: I have no idea.
0: So when uh, Charlie Brooker was uh, riffing ideas for episodes for this season uh, the original concept was this was going to be a VR exercise for a team like a team imagine a team away day a team building exercise where a team of employees would all go to this event they would all put on VR headsets and the concept of the game would be you're in a musical and you would be assigned a role in the musical and you would you would play out the musical and part of the narrative in the musical would be that two of the cast members would fall in love and have a relationship. And the concept is you'd be a, you'll be assigned anyone randomly and you would actually have this relationship with one of your co-workers, but you'd be unaware of what was going on. And the whole concept would be that it turns out that it's two dudes who didn't necessarily think they were gay or anything like that, but it was just a... It, a but when they were putting the script together, they just realised this was not working. So he kind of shelved that and then the opportunity from video games again to kind of put this together and he's he's a massive fan of video games and he couldn't help but notice that when he was playing Tekken with his mates they were both making very similar sounds if they were fucking and that was kind of the inspiration for this episode
1: yeah I get that you, there's, it's very sexual games Mortal Kombat Tekken you know there's <laughs> we, we all knew it when we were playing as teenagers You're playing with your mate there was something a bit dirty about it so this is
0: where I think Black Mirror like shines, right? When it, it holds up, you know, pardon the pun on this, it holds up a mirror to society or behaviours or ways people are currently working now or behaving now. And what happens if you twisted that? What happens if you added in a different flair or a different kind of tangent on this? Now, most guys, I'm not even gonna say of a certain age, most guys who play video games probably have a game that they play of their friends. And everyone's probably had a game with their friend that they have played an unhealthy amount together, whether that's uh, FIFA or whether that's a fighting game or whether that's international track and field. John, do you remember that back in the day?
1: Oh, favourite game ever. Love that. Yeah,
0: who knew that it was actually just sexual tension between you and me? Who would have known? But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> like taking that concept and then putting this twist on actually you two have spent too much time together it's kind of unhealthy and that has developed into an underlying relationship where you end up fucking like I, I, I don't get it but at the same time it's eerily it's eerily scary and a bit too close to the bone to the point where i've got a few friends that i play destiny with and i've got a text saying like do you want to play destiny and i was like no let's, let's just give it a break for a little while <laughs> <laughs> yeah i get that so, what did first? What did you make of the episode, though? First and foremost, John, uh, what was your opinion of it? What? Sorry, can you say that again?
1: I just. What did you make of the episode? What, what did you think of it? I loved this episode. I think it was sort of. Back to form. I'm uh, not back to form, but it was a classic Black Mirror episode. It had all the hallmarks right. It made you feel maybe spent a bit of time at the beginning establishing a few things, and you were like, oh, I don't know where this is going. It all seems a bit nice at the moment. Uh, and then suddenly it hits you, things get uncomfortable quickly. And it's that mm. uncomfort that is genius in a lot of Black. Co- Black Mirror episodes, and it does really shine light. It makes you think about your relationship with technology and your, you know, human relationships as well, because you put yourself in the uh, shoes of of the characters, and yeah, very uncomfortable watching, but uh, absolutely fascinating. Uh, it yeah. definitely had a lot of hallmark. Uh, there was even, I mean, did you notice the way they used the game? was exactly the same as a previous black mirror episode even to the exit game is uh USS Callista. so you Yes exit game yeah. was completely the same so obviously deliberate um but it was interesting yeah, the way true. it was linked very familiar familiar black mirror episodes
0: So what I find way. really yeah I completely concur with that what I find fascinating about this episode in particular is that charlie brooker is so good at foreshadowing in his own episodes and he literally puts it in front of you and you don't realize it so what a lot of people have missed is you know in the first scene where danny is you think he's meeting his girlfriend theo for the first time and it turns out they're actually just they're actually just playing around like they're pretending to be strangers because it's just that's how they get kicks
1: yeah that was interesting
0: and that that's interesting it's that kind of foreshadows a couple of things of one that they both like the idea of uh, of you know going for the romance of meeting someone new and exciting and all that sort of stuff but then that kind of goes that eerie ending at the end where he's misses basically gives him the the cue to say go on go online it's that bird Sunday of each month and I'm going to go have that affair as well and ultimately that story intertwines with the game because you know back when they're 27 years old and you see them on that date night and then after they have sex he goes and sits in the living room with his mate Kyle and they start playing the game Striking Vipers it's essentially like that's him going away to have his affair that's his you know I've, I've put my wife to bed and now I'm going to go have my emotional affair with with my best mate and how many times have you been with your partner and then gone to bed and then you know back in the old student live days you would potentially get up and knock on your friend's door and maybe play video games or go do whatever and yeah there's something so familiar about that lifestyle which goes in a completely fucked up direction
1: yeah a lot of this i mean it's it's sort of about our relationship to porn as well isn't it and the limits yeah
0: yeah yeah definitely
1: Uh, which is fascinating in a day you know these days you got virtual reality porn and there's all kinds of things that blur the line between what is porn and what's you know what is infidelity what is cheating on your partner um and I thought it was really fascinating ending actually because it you were expecting either them to just be gay and him to run off from his wife or but it was strange that they kind of came up with this mutual agreement and it almost worked for them, is what the insinuation was. Uh, so yeah. I suppose it was a really interesting ending.
0: I, I Part of me was thinking that they were going to go down the gay route and there was one bit where I didn't see it and everyone else might say, no, that's clearly fucking symbolism there, Flint. How did you miss that? I was watching it with my wife. And you know the scene where he decides, that is it, I am calling it, this is an affair, and it's not right, and I am going to stop playing this for a while. As Danny says to the car over on the phone, like that's it, it's over. And he takes the the chip. And by the way, John, we're going to talk about what does this mean in terms of the Black Mirror verse? Because I am I am convinced one hundred percent that there is a universe within Black Mirror, and this is all within <laughs> the same universe. Um, he takes off that head chip, he puts it in a little matchbox and he puts it in the cupboard and closes the cupboard. And And my wife Holly said, well, that's it, he's choosing to not go over his sexuality. He is going in the closet. He is literally putting his sexuality in the closet there. And I was like, oh yeah, that's kind of smart. I just <laughs> thought it was a in case I need to play this game. But there was one thing which I, I thought uh, Brooker and his team might have gone down because he has touched upon this subject matter in the past. And it's a bit too creepy. And I thought at one point his son was going to play the game. And his son was going to end up meeting Kyle. And Kyle would never have realised because the voices are the same and the characters. And something bad was going to happen. That's where I thought they were going. So I was just like, he pushes you. He pushes you in this direction sometimes. Ooh, yeah. And he does he does creep you out to the point where you, you 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 did empathize with a situation and then you realize you've been rooting for something really horrible to happen and you feel fucking terrible I could have seen him going in that direction and I would love to have known if that idea ever crossed his mind yeah
1: you're right I did not think of that because my mind isn't hasn't been uh, as fucked up as yours but um, <laughs> I would like to see that episode though that would, that would definitely have given it a, a proper twist that I would not see coming I mean, one mm. of the things, one of the reasons this episode worked so well for me was these two, it was all about their sort of bromance at the start. And it's a proper bromance, right? They're just yeah. bachelors or married. A couple of lads. They're a lad. They're total lads. And if you're watching it as a dude, you're totally on board. You're Yeah, you're like, oh, everyone's yeah. got a mate. You even think, oh, there's my mate. Oh, it's me and Flinty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's fine. And then it hits you doesn't it you're like oh shit what's oh. and then because you've already kind of related to these male characters you're like oh uh and then that's the it's it's absolutely fascinating so i think it laid this the groundwork so perfectly and the pacing of this episode was just spot on
0: yeah, completely agree. Let's talk about the the actors in this because there's one thing I am accusing Black Mirror of, which is the bigger it's been getting, the bigger the A-list stars that they're starting to get in. So it used to be, they would, in my opinion anyway, they would unearth talent and those gems would go on to have amazing careers where I feel like it's now becoming vice versa where they're getting the big names in now rather than discovering the big names, if that makes sense. And um, we've got Anthony Mackie playing Danny in this. The 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 new Captain America or Falcon, uh, in case you didn't you weren't aware of that from the MCU. We've got uh, Carl being played by ya Abdul Mateen the Second, which is I'm uh, sorry if I butchered that name, but he's an amazing actor in his own right. He's actually an Aquaman, so we've got DC and Marvel uh, getting it on, in, <laughs> so to speak. Um, you've actually got a really interesting actor in Pom Konektov who is in Guardians of the Galaxy. She plays Mantis. Uh, she was actually playing the female character in the Striking Vipers game. So what do we think of the cast? I think the cast... I
1: think it's great. I mean, it's obviously a black cast um, which is great to see, see that sort of just all black, you know, that diversity. There's not the even the token white boyfriend which is... Uh, which is great to see and it works really really well but uh, I mean it's not even a worth mentioning really it's a side show but I think going back to the A-list stars is I think the thing is a lot of these stars are fans of Black Mirror now and they're desperate to be a part of it so it's like mm. if you're Charlie Brooker and Annabelle, Annabelle Jones you're, you're thinking can we really turn these guys down uh, y- you know So I I can definitely see that, obviously, they made a lot of stars uh, from the first few series of Black Mirror, but now the stars are coming to them because they're obsessed with it, right? It's got a lot of celebrity fans, this show. So, I mean, it'd be hard not to cast these people if they come knocking, right?
0: that is true that is very true and the director himself uh, owen harris who directed this episode he's kind of got a bit of royalty uh, in his veins from a black mirror perspective he directed the saint junipero episode but he's also directed an episode of the new twilight zone as well i mean they're literally mirrors off each other right twilight zone inspired black mirror and i think black mirror is definitely inspiring the latest incarnation of that and that being a jordan peele endeavor so it's I find it absolutely fascinating at the moment the sort of people and the level of involvement and they you can tell they are trying to experiment with different things now we are only talking about this one episode we have not we will be reviewing the other two episodes later on so in whatever direction it might go or not go in right now this is a fantastic episode you know off the bat in terms of opinions it has completely creeped me out it is too close to comfort it is too close to personal situations and then you realize oh my god it has made me think it has stayed with me and all the good and weird ways that come from that I thought the cast is absolutely fantastic I loved that first scene I couldn't help but notice I don't know if Anthony Mackey was doing this on purpose but he generally reminds me of a Will Smith back in the day like in that that's that first scene where he's like maybe because they are performing literally as characters they are performing they're pretending to be strangers it's like he's doing a Will Smith impression in Bad Boys or something um, I thought the relationships in this are fantastic I thought the The whole concept of my husband is having an affair and he will not talk to me. He won't open up to me. In fact, I have to shout obscenities at him at a fucking restaurant and he still won't tell me what's going on. And I have no idea what the the truth is. And I thought it was masterful storytelling where at the end or towards the end of this episode where she picks him up at jail and bails him and start driving back. And she goes, what the fuck is really going on? And Anthony Mackie goes to open his mouth. And you know the truth is just about to blurt out. And you don't know what he is going to say. But you just know the truth is coming out. And then that eerie ending of, here you go, I'm going for my <laughs> night out now. I'm going to go be ploughed by a stranger at a bar. Here you go, this is my my way of uh, of keeping myself whole but in love with you. And your way of keeping yourself in love and in whole of the version of you. And it's just... It's so weird. And you're like, oh, the dude's cleared himself up. You know, he's, he's got an overlist. He's got himself a cat. Oh, no, they're, they're, they're back in the game and they're fucking. There is one <laughs> massive plot hole, though, John. I've got, a, I've got to call an elephant out here. And this is one thing which I'm quite surprised Black Mirror hasn't addressed. Go on, then. Who the fuck makes a fighting game in VR where you can actually have sex and that legitimately, <laughs> like, this is a feature? Or even, you know, like, how, how is this a thing? Like, let's just go oh, to that mate. first. do you know what
1: those games though dead or alive do you remember that there's with the bouncing boobs and it's very sexual they're all quite sexual they have these female characters in the tiny so i mean it kind of i thought it was a really genius little crossover because i mean when you open up vr worlds to people like when you opened grand theft auto up for the first time online and just you get got stories of all these people doing these crazy shit you can let People do whatever they want in these virtual worlds, and inevitably people are gonna start doing some really fucked up shit. So uh I think if you make a game, you might as well just make it a porn game with some
0: fighting rather than the other way around. (laughs) I'd like to think that there's someone who controls the servers at the company that makes striking vipers just going, so who's like who's the best fighter? Like, what's the what stats have you got about how players are using this game? They're just all fucking. (laughs) <laughs> like they right like, it, it turns out the polar bear he's the one who ke- he gets laid the most he's fucking slinging it everywhere right now everyone wants to bang the polar bear um it's funny you should mention gta though because if you look at uh in an interview um charlie brooker has been doing this week because obviously as black mirror is doing the rounds and everyone's doing the rounds in terms of media promotion he's obviously doing a few spoiler chats in terms of inspirations and things like that which is a lot of the research uh, for this pod's been based on and um he they asked him about okay what computer games inspired this and he says well you know it's not just this one episode computer games have touched a lot of my episodes and it's kind of interesting that we're talking uh we we link it back to saint junipero who we have the same director of as well the inspiration for the the scene setting the uh cinematography of saint junipero is very much Um, Vice City Grand Theft Auto games Uh, he says I really want to go for that sandbox feel of an 80's city that you can just go and play and and move around with this time the inspiration was very much Tekken Um, he, he grew up playing those games he fucking loves them and that was the game that he played with his mates all the time and you know I I also played that game loads, and you can see that so much, can't you? There's so much of an influence of Tekken in this, and uh, yeah, I, I thought fascinating how all this stuff links together.
1: The art is incredible. I mean, the scenes, the the fighting scenes are just phenomenal. The way they've recreated these crazy uh, levels that you get in those games. If you're familiar with, you know, the Mortal Kombat's, the Tekkens, the Street Fighters, then. Uh, you'll see what an incredible recreation in the real world they've done, um, and they filmed mm. a lot of it in São Paulo, Brazil,
0: I believe, to get these yeah, crazy which... worlds. Isn't that where Saint Junipero was filmed as well? Wasn't that filmed mainly in Brazil? I can't remember now, but um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's just fascinating. There's links in this, and with that, I although he's kind of said there is, and then denies that in other in other interviews, but then alludes to it again. So I think he's just playing the old switcheroo and having a laugh with us. But I generally believe there is one timeline of Black Mirror. There is a Black Mirror universe and there is a timeline that goes from the Prime Minister fucking a pig to Waldo potentially being a a presidential candidate and all the technology in between of that and a dystopian future where... uh, Danny Kalua has the bloody pedal a bike all day. I believe it is all linked. And I think this is just another connecting tissue. And I think that technology VR headset chip thing is just another tale in this story, right? Do you, do you, do you agree with this or is it just homage to each other?
1: I think that's the sort of galaxy brain thing that Charlie Brooker could be, could be onto, uh, fooling us with. But I, I can't see, I don't know. I'd love for it to happen. I'd love for him to finish series 10. Well, actually, I don't ever really want it to stop because he's got so many more stories to tell. But I, I would love for it to be linked and it to be a genius link uh, and somehow interweave these stories. But I think you're reading too much. into. I think you're hearing what you want to hear, Flinty. I have to be uh, honest.
0: Yeah, all right, okay. All right, right. We'll agree to disagree on that one. Good sir. Yeah. So um, where does this hold up for you in terms of the spectrum of Black Mirror. So does this enter your top five episodes?
1: Oh, it's a tough one. Uh, I think it might do, you know. I think it's it's up there. It's a really solid Black Mirror episode, right? It's just hits all the... If it was just standalone and Black Mirror had never existed and this was just on TV, you would think it's incredible. This is a really interesting TV programme. So... I mean, but against itself, because there's so many good episodes, I'd, I'd give it top five, but I'm not sure. I, I don't think it quite hits the heights of Hang the DJ, San Junipero, um, and maybe some of the others. But I'd, I'd put it up there in the top half for sure. What about you?
0: Yeah, I think it's definitely punching for Champions League spots, but uh, I, I don't know where in the in the realms of black mirror exactly where near the top it would be but i definitely agree with you it is a return to form and um, i generally before this episode came out I talked about this a lot around uh, my office at work actually about how i think that charlie brooker doesn't have anything to say anymore like if you think about the first season of black mirror and the sort of stuff he was talking about it was almost like it was punk rock For TV right it was a I am rebelling against the system I am angry I have got something to fucking say and this is the satire I am going to lay the world in and that got such recognition on both sides of the world and that led to the talent that was being involved not just being the hey I'm just going to get some Hollyoaks actor to I'm going to go find the next fucking Oscar winner to be in my TV show And it might be just coincidence But the names that were being batted around then Have now gone on to be household names now Then at the point where Netflix acquired Black Mirror Because I think it was a Channel 4 thing And then Netflix acquired them All of a sudden he had fucking Netflix money And it went from trying to find the next big name To I've got people like Bree Dallas Howard in my fucking show now all I've got to do is pick up the phone And it just felt like all of a sudden uh, I don't know the... Um, the militantness about charlie brooker was starting to leave in favor of just isn't technology fucked up Mm -hmm. and that's it really where i feel that this is kind of a if you can't talk about the, the way the world is anymore because your rose tintedness has changed due to your success then go back into your own history and that's what he's done here before he was an angry uh, political person using tv as satire he was a lazy git playing video games with his mates and that's how he's managed to take elements from that with his amazing talent of finding the eerie bleakness and make a narrative together i could be talking out my ass about that but that's generally my interpretation of where this has been going as a result of the artists mimicking their work and vice versa and um, so i was i did not hold high hopes for this but i this is bang you know it is up there i generally i generally love the episode and um, it's the best episode i've seen of the season so far there you go <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah i can't wait for the rest of them too which we will be reviewing on the next two episodes and i right. genuinely it's quite nice to actually watch an episode i'm going to do one a week like the good old yeah. days of tv and it's nice to not just rattle through them because i can let this one digest so maybe I'm just old man in yelling at a cloud, but I think there's something to this, Flinty. Stagger the episodes, people.
0: Let it digest. Most definitely. Have a week off. So I, I'm going to say four out of five for this. What, what are you thinking?
1: Well, compared you... to everything else, I'm giving it five out of five. But in, in Black Mirror verse, it's a four out of five.
0: Okay, so we'll, we'll, we'll say in the context of Black Mirror, it's a four out of five. <laughs> So, yeah there you go striking vipers and it turns out that uh, if if you do stay up all night playing video games with your mate in a virtual reality environment and you somehow end up having sex within the first 10 seconds of the game it's not gay it's just like looking at porn <laughs> <laughs> lovely thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast if you've enjoyed listening to this as much as we've enjoyed making it please click on the like follow subscribe whatever button it means that you get more content from Talk Film Me shout out to Ben hola he got the the new toy from uh, Comic Con uh, he posted up on his Twitter account the other day another happy winner we'll be doing more giveaways over the next week or so uh, thank you to everyone that has been subscribing to us on Spotify as well shout out to people on Podbean we have not forgotten about you thank you so much for all your comments and everything else John My boy, my man, my striking Viper. How can people find you?
1: (laughs) Be careful what you wish for, Plinney. We're only about five years off that technology. Um, You can find me on Twitter, at Descamento.
0: Well, until we're fucking polar bears, we'll just have to wait. Um, (laughs) We'll be back next week with a review, a streaming gem, specifically about Black Mirror and everything in between. of that. Stay filmy till next time. Bye-bye. We're down in the basement. We'll lock the cellar door and baby. Talk filmy to me.